It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Hey guys, welcome to the Locked On Wizards Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Trey Halliburton, and on the other line, I have uh, my truth about it brother, Mr. Rashad Mobley. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good, but I have to correct you. We are from the site formerly known as Truth About It. It is now dormant. It is now dormant. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Truth About It is still a site that exists, uh, whether it is active or dormant, my brother. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's still a powerhouse. It's just, it hasn't come out of the cocoon yet this fall. It's coming. Hey, it's coming. And you know what, man? I just, I just, uh, we had a conversation today on Twitter over the term uh, hashtag so wizards. And we did a little bit of uh, research. Uh, shout out to my guy, Nick Bilka, who uh, did the research and went back and found that Mr. Kyle Weedot, Mr. Truth About It himself, was the first person to tweet about hashtag so wizards back in 2012. So, you know, when, when we say that uh, Truth About It are really pioneers and OGs to the Wizards blogging game, like that, that just serves as more proof. Right. Get that man some wealth. <laughs> exactly. We wanted to give uh, his roses while he can still smell them on coming up with that. But to, uh, we're not going to uh, remember over uh, Wizards of yesteryear past, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to try to look forward to the future. And with the future, we have a nice crop of young Wizards who are getting ready to, you know, come into their own. There, there's, a, there's some promise in some of them. And I think that the the young group of Wizards will be the difference between, you know, the team only winning 28 games as they're projected to by Vegas or if they're able to, you know, kind of outperform that and, uh, you know, maybe maybe make a little bit of noise next year. But the, the first of the young Wizards uh, coming in, he just turned 22 years old, so he's definitely still a young Wizard, even though he's in his third year in the league now. But uh, Thomas Bryant, Thomas Bryant, he's coming in, I feel like, He's the one player who the team could legit be surprised about from last season. Like, he came in, outperformed his expectations. Um, you know, really, the, the Wizards, they should have never even gotten Thomas Bryant. Uh, the Lakers, uh, I would say, foolishly cut him last summer. Uh, what, what, what do you remember about uh, when the Wizards first acquiring Thomas Bryant and, you know, your first initial impressions from him from, from Summer League last year and, you know, going into the season. How, how do you remember, you know, the, the, the time as Bryant beginning as a Wizard? Well, I mean, to show you how things have changed, when the Lakers waived him, I was skeptical then because at the time the Lakers really weren't in a position to be doing that. You know, and I, I was very skeptical. I didn't think that he would really bring anything to the table. I thought this was just another after nine signing by – the former front office. And so I I went in with that skepticism. When I saw him play 
I noticed an enthusiasm that I don't want to say an enthusiasm because, you know, players like Nick Young played with enthusiasm and Oubre plays with enthusiasm, but it was what it was focused in a certain level of enthusiasm that, that led me to believe he would be a nice piece coming off the bench. I'm not going to sit here and say that I thought he was going to play all that much, but I thought if he ever gets in, he has a lot of energy, he'll be a nice a nice change of pace. So I was skeptical. I I did not think that anything big was going to come of it, but the little snippets of play that I saw him, I was encouraged. Yeah, no, I can I can definitely see what it is that you're saying about uh, the enthusiasm. Even though that's, I, I would say enthusiasm might not be the uh, right word. I would say it's more like a like an energetic thing. Like he he like brought this energy, and it wasn't just a uh, you know a frantic like you said Nick Young type of energy. Like yeah, I'm just out here goofing off. Like no, nah, he brought like when he play he plays hard, and I think that. It's evident, like when you watch him play basketball, like from the very beginning, like you just notice that about whether whether he's out there, you know, showing a lot of skill. You know, he plays hard, so you know that 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 I think really kind of boosted like what I was expecting from him. And then I did a little bit of research. I didn't, I don't, admittedly, don't watch a lot of college basketball, so I didn't really see him play. But you know, I went back and I watched some of his highlights from Indiana. But I think. One of the things that was intriguing for me was the fact that, you know, he was very young as a prospect. You know, last year he played, he was only 21 years old. And, you know, that he was a McDonald's All-American coming out of high school. So what what that showed me was that, you know, he once had, you know, elite-level talent. And for whatever reason, you know, he has kind of slipped through the recruiting cracks, you know, going towards the NBA and even, you know, getting cut from his NBA team, his first NBA team. Uh, I, I thought that, that there was some promise there. And when I first started watching him, you know, take what you're saying, the energy level that he's playing with, you know, and combine that with somebody who has a certain skill level, you know, I think that, you know, he was able to come out here with the opportunity and kind of show himself, uh, you know, show that, you know, he belong. not only does he belong in this league, but, you know, that he could be, you know, a future developmental project. So what, what did you think about, first, we got to talk about, how he even became to to play, uh, you know, in the rotation, you know, because Dwight Howard is, you know, he's been in the news recently, but he was signed to be the Wizards' starting center, and uh, you and I were both at uh, Media Day last year. Or I, I'm not sure, were you at Media Day last year, Rashad? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, we, you and I were both at Media Day, and you were just as surprised as me when Dwight gets out there and he tells that he, he got hurt on a plane ride to China. So the starting center – Never that 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 was messed up from media day. So what what do you remember about you know Thomas Bryant and the guys who were supposed to play center, Jan Mahimi, and how all of that kind of led to Thomas Bryant getting his opportunity around December to play? Well, we, we have to put this in the proper context because Dwight Howard was coming off one of his more productive years of late, and so even though he's still Dwight Howard and brings a certain level of goofiness, the expectation was he was going to come and he was going to be productive, and so. One of the reasons why I didn't even do any research about Thomas Bryant in Indiana like you did, but one of the reasons why I really wasn't too invested in what he was or was not going to do is that, to me, if Bryant is playing a lot of minutes, that means something went horribly wrong with Mahimi, which wouldn't be the first time, and something went horribly wrong with Dwight Howard. And so when we get to media day and we hear that, it's like, uh-oh, speaking of so wizard, number one and number two, it's like, okay, what, what do we really have? Are we really looking at a season long of, of Mahimi? So it, there was a lot of skepticism. And I think 
one of the first one of the things I was thinking of when you were talking is the kind of focused enthusiasm that that Bryant show reminded me, and I don't want to date myself here, so forgive me, but there's this there's this clip a long time ago when Andrew Bynum was playing for the Lakers and Shaquille O'Neal was playing for the Heat, and somebody forgot to tell Andrew Bynum that you're not supposed to go at Shaquille O'Neal. He's bigger than you. He's stronger than you. He went down, dunked on him, and was fearless about it, and went back and was jumping up and down. And his teammates were pushing him, and it was, you know, it did a lot for his confidence. I mean, he ended up getting smoked by Shaq eventually, but that's the same kind of enthusiasm I saw from Bryant early, even when he wasn't putting up 31 and going perfect from the field initially. He went in and he played like a player who said, look, I got cut before. I may have underachieved before, but this is what I'm going to do now that I'm in. I know nobody wanted to see me. I was last on the depth chart, but here I am. I'm going to play. Now, sometimes he was a little too aggressive, and with Scott Brooks and a young player, the hook is quite quick because you can't do that. But I think, I don't know, I think that even Brooks had to notice that, I mean, part of it was he didn't have a choice. Let's not let's be real. But, let's be real, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let me not get too carried away. But also that type of enthusiasm is infectious. And one of the things that you and I saw is that how Wall, even from the bench or whether in the game, or Bill kind of played off of that and kind of fed into that and were energized themselves by it. And that's not something you've been able to say about a young player consistently. So quickly we kind of forgot about Dwight Howard and, and the murky circumstances for him not playing. And you kind of were like, okay, we may have something to build on here. We may have a player who we can actually – he's not going to put up Dwight Howard-like numbers, but he's serviceable, he's versatile, he's efficient offensively, and we can build on that. And that was pretty evident quickly. Now, I didn't expect him, again, to be at the point now where he's signing a contract because he had that much promise, but I thought he'd be a serviceable stopgap, a serviceable stopgap until the Wizards figured out what exactly they were going to do with that position. Yeah, I think that I mean you, you. What you alluded to was pretty much correct. Like Scott, let's not fool ourselves. Scott Brooks made that move out of necessity. So you know uh, he, he's looking down at the end of his bench, and he's like, I really don't have any. It's either Thomas Bryant or Jason Smith. And he's like, let me roll with the young fella. This I don't know if he gets too much credit for you know making that move, and especially as late because you know there were moments where he was playing Jason Smith early on in the season, and that's why. Thomas yeah. Bryant really didn't crack the rotation until, uh, you know, I'd say probably back around December, late December, Thomas Bryant was pretty much entrenched into the Wizards' rotation. But I think that, you know, he, he realized that Bryant was the best option, and he played him. And what really what, what, what we got a chance to see was Thomas Bryant playing through some of his, you know, lumps. But, you know, with, with, with a player who p- plays with as much energy as he did, you know, it was kind of an easy transition for him to, you know, he could m- make a mistake on a possession and make up for the, that same mistake in the same possession just because of how hard he hustled. So, it, like, when you see a player doing stuff like that, like, it, it makes it real easy for, you know, the coaching staff to trust him and want to have him on the floor and, and, and see what he could do. So I think that, you know, there there were a lot – I think one of the things that I feel reminiscent that we have to mention is the fact that even before he started playing, I think that Thomas Bryant kind of made a name for himself and and really had, you know, reporters and stuff talking to him about his, you know, his celebrations on the sideline. You know, he used to do, like, different dances and he used to have different handshakes with, like, he and Taysom Randall and Mahimi and, like, you know, kind of Thomas Bryant, everybody kind of pointed to him being one of the one of the leaders of the, the end of the bench mob and, you know, all of the excitement that they would show 
for, you know, their teammates on the floor. And I think that, you know, that's a, a type of infectious energy thing. And, you know, it, it's a good energy. To, it's a good vibe because he's bringing the team together. But I think that, you know, his teammates, you know, they wanted to see him succeed just as much as, you know, he was cheering for them. So I felt like, you know, he, he just brought a lot of good things to the Wizards last year. And, you know, well, let, let's talk about, uh, you know, the fact that they made him a priority in the off season, and they went and he was, and you know, everybody has their announcements on, you know, I think it was 6 p.m. Uh, this year of the, when, when free agency started, and you know, around 6:30, 7 o'clock, the Wizards' big, you know, announcement was that they're re-signing Thomas Bryant, you know, and they bring him back on a very, I would say, a very team-friendly deal. What, what, what did you think about the uh, the, the way that Tommy Shepard went about? Uh, you know, uh, uh, designating Brian as a as a player they wanted to keep and and getting him locked up on a reasonable number uh, at the beginning of free agency. Okay, stay with me here because I'm going to be negative and then I'm going to end on the positive. <laughs> All right, I like that. Uh, I like that. A nuance. I like that because I when I was watching that, it, it made me think how many how many drafts were squandered by not drafting players with this kind of promise. Now, I understand that you're not always going to bat a thousand, but if you scout a player, you bring that player in, you put them in positions to succeed, and they reward you with strong play, you can do the things like they did with Thomas Bryant, where you can, I don't want to say low ball, but you can get a, a nice, serviceable contract without breaking the bank, without having to go out, without getting rid of another player. And all I, I just thought about Sadaransky. You know, that's the first thing I thought about. But, again, I'm not going to. I'm not going to end on a negative. It was good that they got a, a serviceable player during a time where they really can't afford to spend money, and you're, you're going to get a good return. I mean, now there's always a risk when a player even gets marginally play, paid. You're going to wonder whether their game is going to take that next step and whether they're going to continue to grow or did they plateau. I understand that, but we've been talking about the enthusiasm and his willingness to learn. He just doesn't seem like that type of player. So it, as, as a fan – and as as a writer, I was appreciative of the Wizards rewarding someone who basically bailed them out big time. So it's it's a good contract. Again, I'm a little skeptical because this is still the Wizards, and I know they had a big rollout, and everything is looks like it's going to change. I want Brooks to continue to believe in him. I want him to continue to have some leeway. Um, but again, I'm I'm I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm yeah. encouraged. I think I mean the, 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 I mean there's you know he he has to continue to grow that's 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 absolutely important, and he has to continue to get that rope if he messes up, he can't get that quick look anymore. I think he's earned the right to kind of, to mess up a little bit because the good outweighs the bad. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off no, no, it's all good no, I'm just agreeing with you like i but I think but where I would have a little bit of pushback to what you're saying, I, I don't even think we have to worry. We don't even have to have that conversation about the rope. Like, I mean, Thomas Bryant's coming into the year. Like, I mean, quiet as it's kept, he might be the second best player on the team. Like, there ain't no, like, there's no rope. There's no leeway. Like, there's nothing that, I mean, he's, he literally might be the second best player on the team. So, you know, he's going to be able to come out here and do what he does. Like, I don't even think that that's, that's not even an option. That that's something that we should even be having a conversation about. Like it's not he's he's not going to get benched. He's not going to first of all because he plays too hard. So you don't have to worry about. It's never going to be oh he's messing up. Let's take him out. Like no he he's entrenched. He's going to come out here. I'm looking at his numbers last year. You know he averaged ten and six, but on twenty minutes a game. 
you know, you extrapolate that out over uh, average NBA starter where they play 36 minutes per game, you know, he's going to be putting up some, some decent numbers more than likely. Like, you know, and I know that, that there's still a lot of his game that he has to grow, but worrying about whether he'll be playing next year is not something that I think that is even a conversation that should be had. Now, there are other players on the roster, younger players, who I think that that, that, that very well could apply to. And one of those players is the next player that we're going to talk about is uh, Troy Brown Jr. But first, Look I want to do – yeah, yeah. I, I want to do a, a quick ad read, though, uh, but before we start talking about Troy Brown Jr. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys about DoorDash. Long day at work, still stuck at the office? Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered straight to you, wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. Enter promo code Locked On. Now, Rashad, we're getting ready to talk about uh, – I, I, I'm sorry that I cut you off. You were just uh, giving me some good props on that segue game right there. But a player who will have to worry about whether he'll play a lot of minutes or not next year is Troy Brown Jr. So Troy Brown, who was the number one draft pick, the first-round draft pick, drafted 15th overall, you know, he's coming into the season with a little bit more of uncertainty as to what his role is going to be on the team. Now, last year he, did, he only played uh, 600 minutes uh, last season, you know, which is when you consider that the Wizards won 32 games and he was a first-round draft pick and he was healthy for the majority of the season – I mean, for him to play that little amount of minutes is pretty much inexcusable, and I think that that kind of falls at the feet of Scott Brooks. So what, what, what did you think about Troy Brown's season last year from the little bit that we – taking it back to – you know what, let's take it back to even when, before he got drafted. What, did you, what do you remember about the Troy Brown draft pick and what he was able to do and then kind of what you saw from him in summer league and then, because that was really all we got a chance to see, and then and then talk about you know how you know we did we never really got a chance to see him play during the regular season. All right, so my first admission is I watch even less college basketball than you probably do. So I did not know a lot about him until draft night. And you know when your team picks picks a player, you have about five or six sites that you go to to put together a quick scouting report. And so I looked and saw that he was a good all-around player, maybe not as athletic as some of the other players, but he was a good all-around player, could shoot. In summer league, he showed that. I mean, he was a little turnover prone, and his shot was streaky, but he picked it up in other parts of his game. And I thought, okay, this is a player who is going to play within himself, and, you know, maybe they can get some 10, 20 minutes a night and have a slow build in the confidence department. So I didn't think he was going to come in and wow anybody, but – when you have an all-around game in the summer league, that bodes well for how you're going to play once once the lights are on because you're not going to totally rely on your shot or your rebounding your assist. You're just going to kind of look to see how you can contribute. You don't see that in a lot of young players. Um, so I was encouraged, and I didn't even it didn't even cross my mind that the 17th pick might have to fight for playing time. I just assumed he's an all-around player. You might not. You might want to rest Wall. You might want to rest Bill. Maybe Troy Brown could play some point. There's a lot of different things you can do with a six-seven player who has that kind of a skill set. And this is one of the running things in Bloggers Row is, what the hell is going on? 
why why isn't he playing? And at at one point, this is how being a conspiracy theorist is, it comes with being a Wizards fan. I was thinking, okay, maybe he's not playing because the front office and Ted Leonsis, they want to make sure the go-go gets off to a good start. If you have Troy Brown on there, that's a good start. And, you know, if he if he gets confident and he comes up to the league, back up to the Wizards, that's fine. But at least we're going to get this go-go thing off the ground. But to your earlier point, when it became clear that, number one, Bill was killing himself in the minutes department, Number one. Number two, this team was not going anywhere. You already had another young player in Troy Brown who was flourishing in the same environment that Troy Brown could have flourished. It 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 just did not make any sense. And you have a player who does not have that confidence that that Howard has. I mean that uh, that Bryant has. He doesn't come with that same confidence. He needs a little more. He needs a little nudging, and he didn't get it. It just it his his confidence was up and down. When he went back to the go go, he was fine. It's like he became a superhero. But when he came back up to the Wizards, it's like you could just see him on the bench. Like, am I going to be put in? And then you play. You and I have played ball before. If you don't know that you're going to be in the game for a little while, everything is tight. The shot is tight. You're not running as hard. You do something, you look back at the bench, you're playing scared. And it just, I'm not going to say it ruined him, but it, it ruined the growth that he could have had. And so to go from he was showing a lot of promise in summer league to seeing him become gun-shy, in the league. Now, every now and then he could do something good. It's like, okay, his momentum. But much like Sadoransky and his kind of wild trajectory, it just never translated into, okay, this is, this is building, this is building. It just, he just got torn back down. And now going into this year, like you said about Thomas Bryant, he sh- Troy Brown should get all the playing time he needs. You know, he shouldn't have any problems, but if he's going to be up to it. So I, I, I worry about his confidence. Yeah, I worry about his confidence, too. And the biggest thing is the fact that not only we have to look at, you know, why he wasn't playing. Now, first of all, I think you're giving, you know, the the, the, the organization a little bit too much credit there that they were trying to big up the go-go and all. Nah, that's not. <laughs> no, no. Let's, let's, I, I got to, yeah, I got to address that. No, that's, no. That's not what happened, sir. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> we, we, we can, we can, we can live in a fairy tale land. But I think that we have to look at the fact that, you know, Troy Brown, he – not only was he not playing, you have to look at the people that they were playing in front of him. Like, yeah. I mean, we're talking about Ron Baker, Gary Payton Jr., you know, Sam Decker. Like, you know, guys, uh, Chaser Randall. You know, I like Chaser Randall, you know, but we're talking about – I just named a, 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 a quartet of guys who are all not in the NBA this year. They're all – they've all – as a matter of fact, all of those guys have signed deals overseas. So they won't be playing in the NBA this year. So, you know, we, we, we're, we're getting to a point right now where, you know, and this is where you go back to, like, an organizational thing. And, you know, I kind of touched on this on my last podcast with Chase Hughes. We were talking about Scott Brooks. You know, that, that kind of falls on him. So when, we, when we're looking at the development of these players, you know, maybe the fact that, you know, Ernie is gone now and that Tommy Shepard is in there and so that, you know, the, the kind of uh, belief system within the organization has shifted that, you know, it's no longer, oh, just bringing in these proven veterans and trying to win, that they actually are trying to develop. And maybe that will change the way, you know, Scott Brooks operates. Because, you know, if we go off of the path, then, you know, if Scott Brooks, is, he's going to try to win. But if I think that, you know, there might be, uh, it might be really a new day in town 
where, you know, that a guy like Troy Brown should be given the opportunity, should be given the leeway, you know, the, the long leash. He could come out there and kind of show us what he can do as a player. And like you said, I mean, he ha- he's, a, he's a very multi-talented player. Like he, he you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say that he's super elite at maybe one thing, not even one thing, but he's very proficient at a lot of different things on the court. And, for, and that type of consistency is something that the Wizards' rotation has kind of been missing for, you know, the last couple of years. You know, a lot of their players are either, like, really good at one thing, and, and, but they have a glaring weakness on the other side. You know, and, and it's good to have a player who just is consistent and can come in and, you know, just, you know, pass the ball a little bit, shoot the ball a little bit, play a little defense. He has enough size that he can be able to switch on to smaller players and larger players. And one of the things I have to say about Troy Brown, uh, he had very good rebounding numbers for a player, you know, uh, who, who is a guard. You know, he came in and was and was kind of killing the boards. Uh, he, he ended up averaging, per, on a poor 36-minute basis, he averaged 7.4 rebounds per game. Like, so, you know, like, he, he only he only, he only only got uh, three boards a game last year, but he only played, you know, about 10 minutes a game. So, for, you know, for, go ahead. I was going to say, to your earlier point, and you were at this press conference, I wasn't, so I don't remember if it was Ted Leonsis who said this or Tommy Shepard, but one of the points that was made about Scott Brooks is someone said he was not brought in to kind of usher a young team into, you know, to help build a young team. He was brought in to get this team to the playoffs and to advance. And so to your earlier point, maybe now that the expectations have shifted, he can do what he wants, not what he thinks should be done. So, I mean – he can get the benefit of that, get the benefit of the doubt there. And to your second point, you're exactly right. The Wizards haven't had a lot of Swiss Army knife players who can come in and play one to three successfully and be solid at it. Not great at any one thing, but the style of everything. So you're, you're exactly right. That's been missing from the rotation. And again, I'm not going to keep living in the past here, but we had a player like that who's now playing in Chicago, and his last name is not Porter, who could play one through three. And had the kind of versatility, but he was he's gone. Right, right. And you know, I, I did another whole podcast on that, talking about Sadarevsky and, you know, why he's not here. But I think that, you know, a lot of the attributes that Sadarevsky brought to the team, the team might be able to find in Troy Brown. And so, you know, when you look at Troy Brown and Thomas Bryant, I think that they are very good players as as far as like a good foundation is concerned. So, you know, I think that those two guys, like, who have NBA experience already, so, you know, there's a certain level of expectations that people have for rookies because, you know, just, just to how, you know, it's just an adjustment going from the college game to the rookie game. So we're going to talk about the rookies in a little bit. But when we talk about Thomas Bryant and Troy Brown and how those two guys will probably be, you know, not probably, they will be relied on from the Wizards organization to contribute. And they might actually, when you look at it, be the two swing players on the roster who will dictate, you know, how the season will go. Because if Thomas Bryant and Troy Brown, you know, come out there and play, you know, up to their potential or even above their head, you know, the, the, the season might go different. So what, what do you expect to see out of both of those players coming in for this upcoming season? We're going to assume that they, they get, as you said, they're going to get all the playing time that they need. What I want to see out of Brian is better rebounding. I mean, he 
he was okay. He showed flashes of rebounding, but he's going to need to be a consistent rebounder. He's going to have to be a little better on defense. I'll, if he doesn't shoot as many threes and make as many threes, I think he shot 34, 33 or 34% last year. That, that's okay. I want to see him be a better rebounder and a better defender because that's that's what's going to be needed out of him, and those exact two things are why Dwight Howard was brought here in the first place. So now that he's shoot, he, he showed that he can be a good contributor on offense, he has to be able to rebound. He has to be able to defend. And towards, in terms of Troy Brown, I don't want to harp on it, but I just – you want to see a span of 10 to 15 games where he's confident and he's consistent at something. Just, just at anything. Maybe it's when Bill comes out of the game, and maybe with Isaiah Thomas, he shows that he's a good, a good running name with Isaiah Thomas, or with Smith. Just something good at one thing, so that Scott Brooks, when he gives us those BS press conferences at the end, the beginning of games, he can say, you know what, I really like the way Troy Brown did so and so. I liked it when he ran with this unit, carving niche for himself while he gets his confidence up. And I know that may sound trivial and it may sound small. We've seen a lot of players over the years. Ish Smith is one of them. When he came into the league, he was a marginal point guard, but his claim to fame is I can give you a lot of speed for about 20 minutes a game, and that's my claim to fame. It, it helps a young player who may not have a lot of confidence, especially with this with Troy Brown, who's getting ready to play for a coach who kind of smacked down his confidence. Just get good at one to two things. Let the coach be able to build on that. Let that be your claim to fame and go from there. And, again, as I'm saying it out loud, it sounds trivial, but I've, I've covered enough of those, I want to say, eight to 11 players on the bench who aren't going to get consistent playing time, but they have one thing that they're good at, and they're able to run with it. And that's what you want to see out of Troy Brown. Sounds like a low bar for a 17th pick, but he can build there. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that the bar, you having the bar low is probably smart, uh, considering, you know, what, what the Wizards have, uh, you know, kind of kind of draft pick status. Like, you know, we, we haven't been too great at, you know, bringing in players and just having them be able to contribute. So, you know, if, if they draft a contributor at the spot and what they drafted him, I think that at the end of the day you could, you know, make a legit case to say that the draft pick was a success. So, you know, he, he, he seems to be on that, uh, on that Kelly Oubre uh, trajectory, though, you know, because Kelly pretty much had the same thing. He didn't really play a lot his first year. Then, you know, the second and third year, he really played. And by the time the fourth year came around, you know, they were they were they were essentially using him as trade bait. So I, I don't want that to what to, for that to be Troy Brown's trajectory. You know, I think that 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 Troy really does have a lot of good things going for him. I think that he is the type of player who. You know, give, given the opportunity, can can really be that solid, consistent, you know, uh, rotational guard. So I wouldn't even say that he his destiny is going to be like you know an all star level player or anything like that. But you know, a good third guard, rotational guard in the NBA. You know, because you know, in, in, in today's league, like you need to have you know a, a solid you know third guard who's able to play. 25 minutes per game and give your two starters a, a spell. And, you know, if he's able to do that, I think that, you know, Tommy Shepard will be very happy. And, you know, they, they, they will be able to continue to develop him as a, as a, as a young player. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and probably try to talk about uh, what do you think about the rookie, Rui Hashimura? How, how did you feel about him? 
he's 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 killing it over excuse me, with Team Japan number one. And based on what I've been reading, it's not so much that his play on the court. I mean, you know, thirty one points is a big deal. But the fact that he's looked at as a leader is is huge. Because I mean we're gonna we're gonna talk about my main man Admiral too, but that's his claim to fame. He's a leader too. But for a young player like that to be a leader on the international stage, that bodes well for the Wizards. I know we're going to get into the circumstances around the Wizards drafting him. He wasn't necessarily a popular player or the player that everybody was looking at the Wizards to take. But to me, a leader for the bench or just coming in as a rookie, having that quality, having the, the – can I say balls in this podcast? Yeah, man. You go, you go ahead and knock yourself oh. out, man. Okay. Just having the balls to go overseas and just show that, that, that you are a leader, that's, that's a big deal. So I'm impressed. In summer league, he was kind of up and down. I, he wasn't really what I expected. I had a little more promise. Cause actually, I did watch him at Gazette. So, you know, I was kind of underwhelmed, but he's turned it around overseas. So I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic with him. Yeah, I think that when we when we look at his summer league performance, I mean, he still he finished really strong and he finished as uh he was a second team all summer league. So, you know, I was really impressed by that. Um I think that you know what he's doing over with the fever, uh you know, he's I mean, he he looked like a totally different dude. I mean, if we get that dude, you know, from fever ball, like we might have a future all-star on our hands. And I think that, you know, I know one person who has to be smiling uh uh, when he watches that, it's Tommy Shepard because, you know, yes. this this could really be, you know, his, you know, crowning achievement because, you know, there were a lot of people, a lot of critics, a lot of draft analysts who, you know, gave the Wizards very poor marks for taking uh, Rui Hashimura. They said it was a reach. And, you know, the uh, Tommy Shepard has come out and said that the Wizards were very high on him, you know, and I've heard that, you know, he was top five on their draft board. So, you know, for them to get what they have, whatever metrics it is they're using, for a guy who is top five on their draft board to, to get him at number nine, I think that people, you know, I think he's really is a good case of when people get so caught up into what a player can't do and they forget to talk about the things that he can do. So people get well, so caught up in the saying that he's not a three-point shooter. But it's like, well, I mean, he's got a, a very polished mid-range game. He can get his shot, and like you said, I mean, he, he's, doing, he's doing the Sam Cassell dance because, you know, he, he just plays with a lot of gumption. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I think you kind of have to paint a fair picture around him being drafted because it came on the heels of another disappointing season. There were a lot of teams who were making moves to get significant players or who had better luck in the draft, and I think it just was, there was this overall malaise around the Wizards, and so there was front office uncertainty, and on top of that, a player was drafted who, I mean, let's be real, Cam Reddish was drafted right after him. Most people probably wanted somebody who they deemed to be a better fit or a flashier player. So, Yeah, but flashy, flashy, flashy doesn't lead into production. Everybody loves Cam Reddish, and I, I've been on the record, and I said I did not want the Wizards to draft Cam Reddish. And you go back, and it has nothing to do with, oh, you know, like him being the third option all that. I mean, there's some stuff that you look at his game, him shooting uh, 35% from the floor, below 30% from two-point range. I mean, this is the type of stuff that you it'd be hard to do if you had one arm. Like, come on, like, like that. The camera hey, brother, stuff. <laughs> brother Troy, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I know that, and you know that. <laughs> but 
you know that people who aren't necessarily in the know and they're just looking for some something flashy to happen, they they weren't they weren't pleased with that pick. But yeah. I will tell you this: one of the things, even in our conversation today, we're talking about Thomas Bryant, we're talking about Hashimura, and we're talking about Troy Brown. They are all high IQ players. They're high character players, and you're not going to have, at least on the surface, they seem to be players who want to work hard. And those aren't the kind of superlatives who we, we were willing to attach the Wizards players in the past. You know, you can say that about Wall and about Beal, and then after that it was like, well, we'll see what we can get. We have three young players who are willing to work hard, who are in a couple instances who are leaders and who are high IQ players, and that's, that's, that's significant. So to your, to your earlier point, some credit has to go to Tommy Shepard. We may not know what the, the game plan is, and it might not be as flashy as taking ill-advisedly at Cam Reddish, but there's a plan in place, and there have been different points this summer where it's showing up, and one of them is what's going on with Hashimura at the FIBA World Cup. So, again, I know that flashy doesn't mean anything. There has to be some substance behind it. I mean, this whole notion of taking high IQ players has worked for the Spurs for years. I mean, along with the luck, but it, it, it worked for them. So, and it's know. very coincidental that you bring up that team because you know there there is a very tra- traveling word amongst uh, NBA circles that the Spurs were trying to trade up to between that nine and twelve and thirteen range to get Rui Hachimura. You know, and this is I've talked to multiple people around the league who have said that. So you know it, it, that that's a, and that when I when I first heard that on the day after the draft, I said that's a great sign for, you know, the Wizards, you know, drafting this guy and bringing him in. Because he does have the physical tools and a certain, uh, the, 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 like I said, just from the physicality standpoint, his wingspan and, and his size and a little bit of his shooting motion, he, he reminds a lot of people of another player that used to play for the Spurs uh, who, just, who, who now plays for the Clippers. His name's Kawhi Leonard. Now, I feel like they, they did him a disservice on that draft when Chauncey Billups said, you know, Rui reminds him of Kawhi Leonard. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to be just throwing that around because, you know, Kawhi Leonard is arguably the best player in the NBA right now. But when you really look at it, there are some traits that, you know, that, that Rui Hachimura has that are very similar to Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, with, with Rui coming in, with him only being, you know, 21 years old and Troy Brown just turned 20 years old and, you know, Thomas Bryant, who's uh, 22 years old, you know, I think that the, the, the Wizards are in a very good position as far as, you know, having a, a, a plethora of young talent to not only develop, but, you know, to kind of see what they're going to be able to do for this upcoming season. You know, I, I'm, I'm one of the people who's an optimist at this point, and I think that, you know, I'm not going to make the playoffs, but I, I feel very confident in them hitting that over of, a, of, of 28 this year. I think they're going to get over that. So, I mean, I think that the young Wizards are going to be a big part of that. So where, where, where do you stand on, on just the, the kind of the upcoming season and uh, the, the, the young Wizards and where they will, uh, you know, kind of fit into all that? I think, you know, again, I'm going to bring in an analogy with my kids because that's just what I do these days. So, <laughs> bad, bad life. Let's go. <laughs> so, you know, school's getting ready to start, and, we just got back from the beach, and so my son is still in beach mode. And so tonight we had to do homework. I wanted to do low-impact homework. I asked him to write five things that happened today at his field trip. And I told him I didn't want him to worry about 
punctuation. I didn't want him to worry about spelling. I just wanted him to get his ideas out on paper and get in the habit of when you do something, you need to retain it, write it, and then we'll go from there. And when you when you tell a kid, or in this case a teen, what the expectation is, what you want to see out of them, instead of saying we've got to make the playoffs, but you give them kind of smaller goals and let them know what this season is going to be about, you help. It, it just helps shape how they play, how they look at themselves, how they look at you. And I think that if you're Scott Brooks, I mean, Bill may not like this, but you're going to have to tell the team, look, we're not a playoff team. We can aspire for the seventh, eighth spot. Of course, we're going to play for that, but that's not what we are. What we are is we are building for the year after that. We want to be a cohesive unit so that when Bill is at his best, the wall comes back, we are we are ready to go. And well, I, I think that if you what – you, what you don't want to say is, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get to the playoffs. We're going to contend for this. You don't want to have the same expectations that have been placed on the previous years because, number one, if that's, if that's the bar, Coach Brooks is going to be out of here fairly soon. But number two, you, you can't do that with, with the young unit. And, I again, as I'm saying this, I know that if, if you're Bradley Beal, you're like, wait, what are you talking about? All I need is a little bit out of them, and I can carry them the rest of the way. But – Given the way the East is, I just don't see that happening. So this is a long-winded way of saying what you're looking for between now and even the All-Star break is consistency. Scott Brooks should be able to look at every young player and say, this is what this is what I need out of you. I need this every night. This is what I need out of you. Because if you do that, then all of a sudden you can look up, and maybe you have a Brooklyn Nets situation on your hands where everybody is playing and they're playing, I don't want to sound cliche, but they're staying in their lane, and they're doing what they are best at, and all of a sudden, Bill is doing wonderful things, and Isaiah Thomas is intermittently giving you something, and you have a solid team. But you only get that if you define roles and let these players kind of flourish in those limited roles. And so that's that's what I'm looking at out of the young Wizards. And maybe I'm selling them short, but they are all going to be in, a, in situations that they've never been, and that's you're going to be asked to, to kind of keep – keep the team afloat, and they've never been put in that role. Last year, Bryant was in a role where he was playing with house money. And, you know, Troy Brown was in a situation where, you know, he didn't really have the confidence of anybody, but it's different this season, and I think you kind of have to bring them along slowly. I don't want to say baby them, but you just need to shape what the expectations are on Washington flourish under it. I have a feeling that you are going to disagree. So I um, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you a strong pushback on that because I'm gonna start with. <laughs> R- Rashad, I'm gonna start with the fact, man. We need to keep you as far away from Bradley Bill as possible because if you if you say any of this stuff that you're saying around Bradley Bill right now, if I'm Bradley Bill, I'm calling Mark Bartlesey, my agent. I'm telling me, yo, get me out of here. So like this. This is. I mean. I mean, this is this is the, the strategy that you're taking to this is quite surprising to me because you 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 gave. Uh, the caveat before you even started and then still gave an example as to why he, the quickest way to get him out of town. You gave me a caveat. said, well, Bill might not like to hear this. And then you did continue to say a bunch of stuff that he, like that, that, that doesn't, that doesn't play Rashad. Like it, it really doesn't. And really there's only one direction to go with the Wizards for next season. I mean, we're, we're kind of going a little bit off, off course here, but this is just how the, where the conversation has taken us. The only play is to try to win and to try is to really go balls to the wall. And if you, and if that doesn't work, like you said, at the end of your soliloquy, you can always fire Scott Brooks. You can always – there are things that you could do 
to, to keep the same direction moving, and you get the same result. The young players get to develop. You, you come out here, you tell them we're trying to win. We want to make the playoffs because, literally, that's the best way to try to sell and keep Bradley Bill. If you're not going to do that, then you're not going to trade Bradley Bill right now. Like that, and it's also it's offensive to him to sit up there and say that we're going to not try to make the playoffs. Like that, no, that don't that don't work for me. And like I said, like if you say that stuff in the locker room around Bradley Bill, Rashad, they're gonna have to. I'm gonna tell them they're gonna have to get you up out of there, man. Because we don't want okay, Bill. Well, me, we don't we, me, we don't want Bill hearing that because he's gonna want to leave. You know that. Like that's. I, I, I mean, okay. I don't I don't even understand why why you understand that doing anything else is gonna he's gonna want to leave. You do recognize and admit that. Let me give you some pushback to your pushback, Brother Troy. All right, let's go. This is getting good. <laughs> yeah, because you don't think in in those moments that Bradley Bill probably doesn't want to talk about is as confident as he is in his abilities, not only as a scorer but as a playmaker, as a leader, all that stuff is that he is coming to his own without wall. You don't think that he is looking at what was done in the East and looking at what is on his team and thinking, this is an uphill battle. We got it. We got a challenge. No, so, I'm thinking. I'm not, I'm thinking. But I'm not saying he's going to give up and say, you know what, we're out of here. But what you, what you want, in in his position, what you want is consistency. This is one of those things. And again, just stay with me here. Remember that year, Kobe Bryant was playing with like Smush Parker and a whole bunch of other people, and he felt like one of the things that pissed him off is that he was not getting consistency. He was not getting anything consistent out of those role players. And he just wanted a little bit of consistency. And if he had that, that would allow him to trust the players and actually get somewhere. And in the end, he didn't get it, and he just kind of gave up on the team. So if you're Bill, you're not saying, you know what, we're a lottery team. But what you're, what you're saying and what you're hoping that Coach Brooks says is that, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to do that. And I need you to be consistent. Exactly. Which is – but, not but you started about, that's that's different from what you started out saying when you said, Oh, Brooks gonna tell the team that yeah, we looking for next year. If you say any like I agree with the stuff you said right now. You that's different from being consistent means that you gonna get whip these young dudes in the shape and we gonna have I, these dudes playing consistent. Like that's different I, from oh, we gonna look for next year. Like that that's not gonna fly. Like that's different. That's you're saying different things there. Because well, I, I agree with what you're saying right here. Well, I was going to get back to the part you didn't like. So, I, but what, what I worry about, and again, I will admit to the listeners that you have been around the players, the younger crop of players more than I have, but what I, what, I, what I worry about, particularly with young players, is them feeling the burden that Bill is going to put on them. Like, look, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to give you 29 and whatever every night. I need you all to come up. I need you all to do this. You know, Troy, that not every player, high IQ, consistent player, Swiss Army Knife player or not, is built for those kind of expectations. And that's that's the only part that I'm that I'm concerned about. That we're going to look up in December, and this team is going to be seven twenty five, and Bill is going to be put, putting up incredible numbers. But the players, okay, let's take Thomas Bryant out of it. I don't worry about him. But the other players are falling short, and I and all of a sudden we're looking at expectations that aren't met. It's turning into a, a, a one-man show, and the very thing that you don't like that I'm saying is coming to fruition. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, Rashad, that that's the only way out. Like, it, we, 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 
there's no other way. The only way out is through. Like that's that's the thing. Like you have to go. You have to see what you have. And if it, and if you go through that, then it wasn't. It was never going to work. So like you can't. You can't. You, you literally the last thing that you can do is to just is to just throw away a year and really that it like cause that doesn't make any sense. You go through so you can see who you got, who who's a dog, and who's going to be here for the long haul. You know, they that they that's pretty much what they did last year. They threw Thomas Bryant into the fire, and then they found out that he was a dog, and now he's on the team. He on, and he and Bill are close like that. You got to throw Troy Brown out there to find out if he's a dog. You got to throw Rui out there to find out if he's a dog. Like you, 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 you automatically saying you you assuming that oh we you want to coddle these guys because you don't want them to uh, have to deal with the pressure. It's the NBA; they get paid paychecks. To come out here and prove whether they're dogs or not. Like, no, I, I just, I'm sorry, I just don't, I just don't think I'm not here to. to we're not coddling these young players. They got to come out here and play. And if they want to be around, then they'll, then we'll find you'll weed through the people who are going to stay and the people who ain't coming back. The dudes that we had last year, Tayson uh, Randall. Like I said, I love him. I think he had a little dog in him. I wouldn't have been mad if they brought him back on a minimum deal. But them other dudes, like, duh, they didn't have it. And that's why they're not here. We have, the only way that we're going to be able to see is if they get out there and play. And you can't coddle them and say, oh, well, we don't want Bill getting mad at them. First of all, Bill's not even that type of player. Bill's going to try to uplift. And if they fall short, he's going to put it all on him. That's what he does. He's a leader. He's really good at that. I don't think you're worrying about things that I don't even think we have to worry about. You're talking about coddling them and, and making sure that their feelings don't get hurt from their 7 and 25. Like no, nah, they I want dudes who's gonna be mad if we seven and twenty five. Like that's that's what I'm talking about. Like that I, I just wanna take a different approach. Now if we go to and it doesn't work, then next year you gotta look and you gotta reevaluate everything. If it if it don't work and these dudes that we got, the Brill looks around and he realized, man, Thomas Bryant's cool, but he's not really developing. He's just an offensive player. Uh Troy Brown ain't really playing or he's not developing. Rui, it turns out that that, you know, FIBA stuff was fake and he's not good, then I don't have a problem with Brad one now. And then we can go from there and we can trade him and get as much as you can for him. But otherwise, we have to see. We have to see it. We can't just operate without seeing it first. And the only way we're going to see it is if these dudes play. Like, that's that's it. Like, that's, there's only one, like I said, the way out is through, straight through. And they're going to have to run through a wall or they're going to be gone. That's it. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree. First of all, never apologize for your opinion. This is your podcast. I'm the guest. I should be But number two, I I agree. I think I think the approach is a little different. I don't think you definitely shouldn't comment the players, but I just I just it's about putting them in situations where they can succeed. That succeed. That's all. I just think maybe I'm not saying it clearly, and you you look at it a little differently. But you know, I'm also I'm also in the camp that, you know, Bill could definitely demand the trade. But that's a whole no, other podcast. I mean, exactly, exactly. You know what, though? I think that all of these things that you're saying are in play. And if if they come out there, if they put the, – the only way they're going to find out is that they play. And if they play and it's halfway through next year, Bill realizes, man, this ain't going to work, then, you know, he gonna, he he's going to demand a trade. And then at that point, who could be mad at him, right? Right, and that's the best case scenario. Like I said, you're looking at a Brooklyn Nets situation where you have a a strong bond, and you have a player who can win close games, and you have a situation where okay, we're fourth, fifth, sixth in the playoffs. Let's 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 play and see what happens. So I'm 
you know. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think that this is a perfect uh, ending point to, 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 to wrap up this podcast because, hey, this is how much the young wizards mean to, to, to wizards bloggers and wizards fans. Like, you know, the, 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 this is, like I said, I think this is the group, the trio of players that we talked about today are going to be the difference in whether, you know, whether the Wizards are winners or losers next year, whether Bradley Bill wants to, you know, uh, stay a Wizard or whether he wants to demand a trade, whether Scott Brooks is going to be here or be fired. Like, I think that th- this, is, this is a very important crop of players. Like, those three names that we talked about, Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown, and Rui Hashimura. Like, these, these guys are playing, and they got a lot of other people's careers and legacies, you know, kind of riding on what they're going to do this year. So, you know, and, and there's, 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 there's a few different ways that this could play out. But, you know, I, I want to go into it being optimistic, thinking that, you know, this young group that we have are able to, you know, kind of grow and, and, and show something that, you know, maybe nobody is expecting. But, Rashad, man, I appreciate you for coming on, man. This was, this was actually better than I anticipated. Like, because this is, I, I need somebody to come on and, you know, let's have a good, a good discussion. And if you have pushback to my pushback, like, that's going to be, hey, that, that might actually be what this podcast is going to be called. But uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of uh, plug yourself, let the people know where they can find you on social media, and, uh, you know, just tell us about any upcoming things and, and how excited you are to, you know, get be back down there at the arena, you know, you're one of the people who come super regularly to the games and, you know, in the, in the locker rooms after the games, in the pregame press conferences, you know, just talking to not only the players, the, the, you know, the people working around the arena, you know, just talking to everybody, trying to figure out what's going on with the team. So go ahead, plug yourself real quick and let the people know where they can find you. All right, number one, plug yourself sounds weird, so I'm not going to repeat that. Oh, uh, my God, pause. <laughs> number two, uh, the the Go-Go schedule came out today, so I'd, I'd encourage your, your listeners to go to go check that out, go to the game, go support the team. Number three, as much pushback as I gave you, you didn't like what I said about collaring the players. You said that uh, Hashimura was Kawhi Leonard, so that's going to come back and bite you in the ass. So that's number three. <laughs> no, I'm going to do it. Number four, um, I have, if I'm being honest with, with the listeners and with you, I have started and stopped about 17 articles this summer. Um, as I told you before we went on, I am going to use this call as a, this uh, podcast as a springboard to get back on it because. I've just there's been so many things that have happened this summer, and I'm, and I'm ready to start writing. Um, I am working on a kind of a long form piece on Gilbert Arenas. Just I'm fascinated with where he's been since he left Washington to where he is right now. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of working on that. I don't know what 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 shape it's going to take, but I'm I'm at least working on that. And I will be contributing for Truth About It in some other places, uh, including Forbes and a couple other places that I won't reveal at this time, maybe later. And that's, that's, that's all I have. I think that's enough. I mean, that's more than enough, man. Like I said, you're a very well-respected person within the Wizards community. And, you know, it, it's good to get, you know, people like you on the podcast to just really chop it up about the team. You know, I think that you know there are a lot of people who have – you know, uh, 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 somewhat an understanding of the team, but they, you know, they want to know. They want to, you know, a reveal behind the curtain. It's, you know, some of the things that are going on down there and, 
you know, that's that's our job to kind of give that to them. So, you know, I appreciate you for coming on and blessing well, me no, with your look, time. <laughs> one more thing before I go, I'm going to kind of, going to kind of big up you because one of the things I appreciate about you, not just during this podcast or while you had this podcast, but even the two, three years that I've been working with you is that you always have that optimism. And as you know, I'm 44. A lot of the writers my age and older just have a cynicism about this team in particular that sometimes it's hard to break out of that rut and to actually look at things from a clear perspective. And you've always brought that clear perspective, even when some of the old heads are trying to tell you, you know, you're crazy. You kind of have a perspective where you're like, look, this can happen and this can happen. And you just showed that on this, on this podcast. So I appreciate that. I may not agree with it, but I have to respect it because it comes with nuanced thoughts. So I appreciate that. All right, man. You know, that's what we're trying to bring, man. And I think that, you know, the, the listeners, you know, they understand when I started out the podcast, big up in truth about it. But I think that that, that is the thing that truth about it has always brought to you know, the, the Wizards Twitter or the, the Wizards, you know, blogging community is, you know, nuanced takes. Like, we're not just going to be, like, posting stuff, oh, yeah, you know, click this, read this, 100 words, you know, boom, and out. Like, we're always going to bring you the, you know, well-thought-out takes. Like, you know, they're, they're, we, we have disagreements, even, like you said, amongst the, the, the TAI crew. So, you know, it, it's not as even though it's, you know, just, just one wave of the same take, like, you know, it, I think that everybody has their perspective, and as long as we're, you know, bringing perspectives and discussing them and hashing them out, then you know that's that, that leads to great conversations. So you know, and you see, I want this. I want to use this as an example for Wizards Twitter. You know, people need to come on here and talk talk to each other nicely. You see how you can disagree with people and still respect your brother at the end of the day. That's how. That's how you know that that Wizards Twitter needs to operate. So. You know, we, we're just going to leave on on that note. 